Movies by Minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Let's settle up now, kids, because here we go. Howdy and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes host examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts this week, Jim O'Kane, the executive producer of Silverado Minute, as well as the host of Rocketeer Minute, Apollo 13 Minute, and Andromeda Strain Minute. I am this week's guest, Mr. Brett Stillo of... Five minutes of bonsai, five minutes of trouble, five minutes of this, five minutes of that, uh, 12 chimes, it's midnight, and many other numerological-based uh, podcasts. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Brett, uh, having a great time. You know, I, yeah. I have to, I cannot recommend your podcasts enough. They are always entertaining. I've listened to them. I, you know, some people have shower thoughts. I have shower podcasts. I just uh, crank up the iPad, go in, and while I'm scrubbing my head, I'll listen to, to minutes from your show. So uh, it's uh, endless, endlessly entertain, endlessly entertaining, no matter how many clothes you have on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I uh, do enjoy thank you it. very much. The feeling is mutual. Uh, you are a guy who loves just about everything about movies. I, I'd say I'm a guy who loves just about everything about movies. Uh, you're watching them, you know, just dissecting, dissembling, taking them apart, seeing what makes them tick. Uh, and yeah, look, fo folks, for every minute you're hearing us talk on this podcast episode, there's 45 minutes we've talked about every other movie that we love to talk about. So uh, that, that, which is about seven, eight hours we've been doing this, and we're only into the first five minutes of episode two. So loving every minute of it. Yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been great. Uh, w right now we are on minute 82 here for a Tuesday, and we are just getting into the story of. Uh, where, uh, what uh, Sheriff Cobb is expecting from his employee, Payton. Uh, and basically his, what he's expecting is abject neglect of his job. So uh, he's telling him just leave everything alone. He can see the, uh, the storm is approaching, uh, that it's, there's going to be a showdown in town. And Cobb wants, uh, Cobb wants Payton to be basically um, Switzerland in this whole, in this whole thing. Yeah. Don't get involved uh, because things are going to get bad. And uh, then we, uh, that's at the first half of the minute. And then the uh, second half of the minute is um, just some beautiful scenery of, uh, of Emmett taking out that, uh, that Henry 44 rifle, which I think was uh, Mal's, Mal's dad's rifle as he's uh, shooting, uh, shooting at cactus needles, which is uh, boy, howdy. If you want to, <laughs> If you want to talk about being a dead eye, uh, picking picking the needles off the edge of a cactus—that's that's the ultimate in in sharpshooting. Just another uh, day at the range. Yeah, Just yeah, it's, another day at the range. He's plinking uh, uh, away. But yeah, let's uh, we're we're going to talk about composition and and editing and dialogue and all this. You know, it's it's a seemingly simple moment, but we have a an amazing transition and it moves the story along and. Uh, this is filmmaking, folks. Yeah, it's a, uh, gosh, and history, and well, it's it's history, but it's movie history. It's a different, you know. I mean, it's it's a love. It's it's almost a fetishizing the the West. And there's, 
it's just this i mean we we go from the scene in this darkened darkened saloon where this um confrontation between Cobb and Payton is going on and we cut out to just morning sunshine and that uh, that most loving uh, uh pan across the uh the length of a, a 44 caliber Henry rifle yeah uh, as as it's sitting in in Emmett's hands and I just love the sun glinting off of that you know the cinematographer was just having uh, you know, let's wait another 10 minutes and the sun's just going to be in just the right place. And you hold it, you know, he's telling Scott Glenn, all it's still right there. Got it now. You know, just don't move. And we're going to shoot this, uh, shoot this image. Yeah. And the, the power of the jump cut. Don't know if we want to talk about it now or wait, but, yeah. Okay. uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's such a, a wonderful stark transition and yet it is a jump cut. We yeah. go from two guys in a dark bar to, yeah the uh, 47 foot long barrel of a rifle. <laughs> 44 and caliber. Uh, a 44 caliber, but yeah, they, many people don't realize the, the Henry rifle, the barrel itself was 47 feet long. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it can be held can, in one man's hand if that man was Scott Glenn. That's, yes, yeah. Uh, Alan Shepard, excuse me, but that's a, yeah. another movie. <laughs> another movie. That's one, I, one of the fun things about this movie is, you know, everybody in this movie was real busy in yeah. this decade and you can kind of like you, you think about where you saw him the last time uh you know kevin klein big chill and you know like yeah scott glenn uh i was just can't quite uh get and the this, thought of him in his mercury spacesuit out of my head yeah i keep thinking of him in the um oh uh, gosh the one before the silence of the lambs you know he's part of the whole uh clarissa verse and, uh, playing Will, is it Will Lyman, uh, the FBI agent? Uh, right. I, I see him there. He's just, he's just such a great, that, that beautiful, you know, almost Buster Keaton like stone face. That any, any kind of emotion you want to read into that face, you can, because he's just, he, he, he looks like, you know, he, he looks like he should be on the Buffalo Nickel or something like that. He just got so many, so many crags. And I think at the time he was only like maybe uh 39 or 40 when this was being shot but he just looks like a, he started out as an old man and he just kept going right, right? Yeah, yeah yeah i i have a in my collection i have a, a 1970 uh biker film don't know if it was a, a roger corman but let's just say 1970 biker film and he's in that no. and um you know it's just like yeah the, that's another thing the longevity of uh some of these actors and you know it it helps uh to look old when you were probably 21 yeah and yeah uh, scott scott glenn has a, a naturally weathered face yeah no it's just it's all and they all know they all know their business in terms of nobody is overacting in this i mean maybe some of the some of the bad guys some of the scruffy you know scruffy and that and that type um cleese of course has to overact because that's what we're expecting from him. <laughs> uh, but everybody here is being sincere and they're not really showing ex much expression when we're watching uh, Klein and Dennehy working back and forth with each other uh where Dennehy is basically threatening Payton to stay out of it or you'll you'll get in trouble too and Payton comes back with the reverse uh while he's saying you know just stay uh, your your friends in town are causing me problems and uh Payton pushes back with uh you know don't worry about me if you're taking on Emmett the last place I want to be is between you two so it just, you know, he's, he's lay, they're laying out the cards, they're laying out the exposition, setting it up for the precipitating event that ends the second act. 
and um but you don't feel it you love that ride you just love you know being in here and listening to the back and forth and just they're both they're both chewing the scenery just you know the, the camera keeps moving in and they just keep it looking more and more deadpan and more and more deadpan um and it's just it's it's astonishing i do i do notice it um in cinematography we went from that very deep focus that we were at when they were telling the dog story uh mm-hmm. yesterday and earlier last week um we had we had a gr- great depth of fo- depth of field from the you know from linda the back of linda hunt's head to the front door of the saloon but as the uh as the story progresses the back and forth between uh, Dennehy and uh, Kevin Klein, the background starts going out of focus. They start shortening the depth of field. Um, I'm not sure how they're doing it. It's a combination of maybe uh, lowering lowering the lighting and then opening the iris. But if you if you look at the back and forth, or just maybe just the, just redoing the camera positions. But if you look at the individual cuts as they get closer, as as they move in with a closer lens the background starts going out of focus. So you have nothing else to concentrate on but their faces. There's nothing, the background becomes unimportant. And it's just, it's such a beautiful, subtle piece of cinematography. I can't help but watch that that portion of it again and again. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, I think, you know, a good cinematographer or DP, you know, he, he's just like the director, he reads the script. Yeah. And you get that sense of, well, you know, yesterday we were talking about uh, best years of our lives. And, you know, I think I think here there is a, a collaboration between director and, and director of photography in, you know, how we can light the stage, how we can set the stage. And, you know, you, you definitely get that time and time and again with like Toland's decisions on how to shoot things and you know Weiler's work of the actors um and yeah depth of field yeah uh, you know make you know it's it's in a way it's just like uh on the stage it's like oh yeah yeah let's 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 illuminate the back uh, backgrounds okay let's let's dim the lights now let's just have a spot on our on our two actors uh you know who are center stage so yeah yeah <sighs> Yeah, yeah, and Tolan he wrote, wrote the book on this of how to be, you know, it, it, we're we're drawn to three things. First, we're drawn to light, the brightest thing on the on the screen. Our eyes go toward the brightest thing on the screen. The second thing we're drawn to is motion, and then the third thing we're, uh, is placement on the screen. We have a tendency of looking to the upper right of a screen and putting the most weight on that. So when you put the character that you're most interested in on the right hand side of the screen. Uh, we, we draw, our attention is drawn there, not because of any kind of, uh, physical psychology, but that the language, a century of film has taught us is to look to the right. If you want to find out what's going on. And, you know, we see this as, as the minute comes to a close, we see this, our eyes are being dragged right over to the right to see Emmett practicing with the, uh, the Henry rifle of, uh, of, uh, Ezra, Ezra, um, you know, ever, ever, the late Ezra, um, and you know, he is the, you know, the very most important of, of which nothing else is more important in the scene. Um, I just, you know, I, I love, I love cinematography. I love, I love chatting about this kind of stuff so much. And it's, 
it's interesting when you first watch a film, you don't really notice all this. That I, I think if you do notice it for the first time, they're doing it wrong. But mm-hmm. uh, but when you know, as you go back and examine the film and how the film is talking to you, it's it's always fascinating to see what uh, what tricks or what not tricks, but uh, what uh, reliable elements the uh, the cinematographer um, stands on to to tell you their part of the story. And it's good knowing that. Uh, you know, Lawrence, Lawrence and Mark Hasden, and you know, I, I mean, they're 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 making this film together, but they actually trusted the cinematographer to help them tell the story. They they are good storytellers in, from a directorial point. Was I think this was uh, was this Lawrence Kasdan's second directed film? Uh, um, yes, yes. Uh, no, this would be number three, I think, because we got uh, Silverado before that, Big Chill before that, Bite. Uh, was it? Uh, oh, yeah, Body Heat. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and uh, now I'm trying to remember if they were all Columbia Pictures. No, uh, Big Chill. I don't think was Columbia. But uh, yeah, it, it's 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 amazing how they they develop a uh, you know group of people that they trust and work with. Um, but uh, you know, Mark and Lawrence getting. Uh, I, I think that you can see their development of trust comes about in here. Uh, I, I know in Big Chill, I didn't get the feeling that their uh, cinematographer was as adept. Uh, there were a lot of awkward, awkwardly staged uh, scenes in Big Chill. I like the I like the movie itself, but I thought that a lot of the a lot of the scenes, the outdoor scenes were okay, but the indoor ones in the house just didn't seem to. They, they were awkwardly framed and awkwardly um, the, the mise-en-scene, as it were. I don't think the people were in the right spots when they were, when they were telling it, that it didn't use the same language. Um, but I think they're really, you know, firing on all c- cylinders with this film. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's, um, I mean, you know, it, you know, one thing I think we, why we watched this one over and over is, yeah, every frame is, uh, you know, again, the composition and, you know, choices made, you know, deep focus. Uh, and, you know, then we, we can also talk about the editing, which yeah. I kind of alluded to earlier, but, you know, to have that very stark uh, cut, you know, right and almost right exactly on uh, Kevin Klein's line about, I wouldn't get along getting, you know, between you and me and Emmett. Boom. Yeah. Boom. There's Emmett. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and then that other cut, I mean, the very simple one, the, action reaction shot where he's aiming the hammer drops on the on the henry rifle and the next thing you see is the chunk of you know the uh, the cactus yeah. and it's, it's like that's the kulishov effect right yeah or uh, yeah the, the kulishov effect of you're seeing you're seeing yeah. two two scenes and it's like oh yeah he's shooting at the cactus um but uh just classic it's great and uh yeah. it, it's gonna get it's gonna get goofy uh tomorrow but i think it's just i i do i do enjoy this scene and uh you know and again it's it's setting up this precipitating event that we're we're going to get to later you know probably tomorrow actually yeah um, exactly and uh yeah and so, you know something i i talked about uh the week josh horwitz and i did this was uh the all all four of our heroes have super human cowboy skills yes um <laughs> it's it's worth noting you know none of these guys have superpowers uh, none of them have, you know, special costumes. None of them look like the Roy, uh, Roy Rogers of the Lone Ranger, but they do things with firearms uh, that are superhuman. 
you know, yeah. just sort of casually. It it isn't just knocking the 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 needles off the cactus. It's it's exactly, <laughs> you know, he's he's making these perfect little crescents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he, know, he knows where the edge of the bullet is going to hit. So. Yeah, yeah. If if he was a fraction of a second, a, a fraction of an inch, you know, to the right or left, he'd be uh, very upset. Uh, you know, it's just, it's it, it, it's also a bit of the you know the myth of you know, the Western gunfighter and the, you know, the, you know, the crack shot, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had time, you know, uh, plinking with a, with a, with a rifle or something like that. And you, you don't have to be that good, you know, yeah. to, you could just, you know, just hitting the tin can is like, you know, or you get getting close to the tin can is good enough, but you know, it's, it's that whole, you know, myth, if you will, or lore of, uh, you know, yeah. There's only one. You you fired twice, but there's only one hole. What's well, because the bullet went through the, the same hole, and you know, yeah, great stuff it, like that. It's a it's Robin Hood putting the uh, the arrow through the other arrow. So it's just it's it's definitely a it's it's a beautiful trope, and it's not real. But this we don't we don't really want real and western. What we want is good versus evil, and we have to set up the strengths and weaknesses. And this is just doing a it's a very nice simple wordless way of showing how capable Emmett is right now in his undamaged uh pristine state that he knows his way around a he knows his way around a firearm and uh definitely knows his way uh everyone knows how to handle himself in the old west um but just I, I know I keep overusing this word but it's just so beautiful it's really yeah. amazing how how much and it's been said many times before on this show but the the West itself is a character. And, oh, uh, very much, very much. And you know, I, I mentioned this during our week, but it kind of comes up that, you know, back in 1985, I, you know, I saw some, you know, one of those classic, you know, behind the scenes, sort of the 10 minute making of Silverado, you know, those, those promos that they would stick, say, after a baseball game. Uh, and one thing I, Scott Glenn said, you know, when he's in his, his Emmett costume and he's on the set is, you know, he says, yeah, none of these guys are cowboys. Okay. They're, you know, all four of us are gunfighters. <laughs> <laughs> we are hired guns. Uh, so I thought, I think that's interesting to like, we, we love these four guys. they are four guys you root for, but, uh, yeah, they, they aren't around to punch cattle or, uh, heard anything the only thing they heard is bullets yeah yeah it's uh, i mean they are they're bad they're bad company they really are they i mean they you know we hear about uh we hear about emmett staying in a five-year stint in uh, jefferson city for a murder that he well he had it he did kill the guy just but he had it coming yeah and um and, i did my time yeah 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 and uh and you know payton uh, Payton was doing bank jobs and things. So he, 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 you know, he was in with Cobb. So they're not the good guys, but they're, um, they're kind of the anti-heroes. And we have a tendency of forgetting that they're the bad guys because they're just, they're, they're bad guys doing good things or they're, they're almost a reform of, of bad guys. Um, and gosh, you know, even, even, uh, Emmett's brother is, uh, yet another murderer. Um, because he just can't keep his hands off a girl or his lips. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Well, I think I think we covered uh, minute eighty-two pretty well, and um, excellent. Probably want to go wait until uh, tomorrow to talk about the precipitating event, which is uh, very intriguing. Um, but let's yeah. let's 
let's let's leave that for tomorrow. Um, for um, Britt, where, where can people listen to you when they're when they want to hear more than just my prattling and hear you uh, give some pearls of wisdom? It's it's been a while since uh, Josh Schwartz and I have done a series. You know, we are, we're always talking about we could do this, we could do that, but you know, we we are all out there uh, archivally, so to speak. So yeah, uh, you know. Uh, Apple Podcasts and the usual places, uh, just look for, or just Google uh, Five Minutes of, Five Minutes of Trouble, where, uh, you know, in a, in a sense, uh, Josh and I did two Westerns, uh, <laughs> five, minutes, five Minutes of Trouble, which is Big Trouble in Little China, which was a Western set in San Francisco in 1986, and uh, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai in the eighth, Across the Eighth Dimension, which of course was set... Uh, in uh, the old west of the eighth dimension, so um, yes. with with, uh, with the cowboy uh, Jeff Goldblum, cowboy Jeff Goldblum, and cowboy Pepe Serna. There you go. Yes, that matters. So yeah, this uh, f- fun era of the eighties and how these you know we, these uh, actors. It's it's interesting how we kept seeing certain people in certain movies, and we just liked them that much more. Yes, agreed. Wow. Well, uh, anyway, we'll join us here tomorrow, but I just want to do mention that, uh, as Brett said, you can find, listeners can find the Silverado podcast out there also on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, a bunch of other, wherever you got this, wherever you're currently listening to this particular episode, just go back there and do that like and subscribe business. We would also very much appreciate, we don't say this enough, if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that always seems to bring more people to uh to their headphones to our place. So uh, leaving a nice review for us on an Apple Podcast would be extremely appreciated. We don't get any money for any of this stuff, but we do like to get clicks and get people to listen to the show. Uh, I also want to mention that on social media, you can find us at the Midnight Star, the Silverado Minute uh, Listener Saloon out there on Facebook. Lots of people joining in, lots, lots of different opinions on, on this movie and other movies that just kind of, you know, hit us tangentially on uh, twitter you can find us at silverado mxm for movies by minutes the group that we all belong to uh but we will see you here tomorrow uh when we talk some more about the end of the second act so join us then and until the meantime please join us in saying yee